Think about a moment in time, maybe a group of moments, when everything felt just right in your life. I imagine in that memory somebody is with you, your spouse or a dear friend, loved one, some other family member, and you feel comfortable, you feel secure, you know that God is with you, and even though there are circumstances in your life that could cause you concern, you know everything's just right. God calls us into relationship with Himself. We talked about that last week. We talk about that one way or the other every week. But God also calls us into relationship with one another. He says that we're supposed to love one another. Love comes from God. God is love, and because He is love, He calls us into relationship with one another. And those one another's, there's 59 different one another's in the New Testament, the most popular one of which is love one another. But we consider that importance of being in relationship with one another because it's who we are as believers in Jesus. My friend, Pastor Steve Besner in Houston, Texas, God bless him for serving in Houston. Okay, I thought that was funny. You guys must not have been to Houston. It's flat, it's hot, it's ugly, there's lots of traffic. I mean, there's good barbecue, that's about it, right? But Pastor Steve says this, he says, love one another, serve one another, exhort one another, admonish one another, lots of one another's. Christianity is not about you. Thanks for the slap in the face, Pastor Steve. Life together. We're supposed to love one another. And now, oh, did I have it? It, It's there, then it just, hey, there it is. Look at that. I got my little pointer thing. The reason I wanted to show you the pointer thing is I got a graph or a chart to show you graph. This is hard for you to read because you're far away and we weren't going to blow it up any further, but this is our natural church development survey results for this year. And so you see there's empowering leadership, gift-based ministry, passionate spirituality, effective structures, inspiring worship, holistic small groups, need-oriented evangelism, loving relationships, and our average over here is 39. This lower line right here, 35, is what they consider unhealthy. 50 is healthy, 65 is extremely healthy. And then I've got to tell you, if you hadn't been around before, what is the Natural Church Development Survey? Well, this is a survey, 88 different statements we give to 30 people picked from our church so that we have about 10 from ever, or five from every age group of decades and equal number of men and women, and we do it every year. It's a survey that's been used with thousands of churches worldwide for two decades, so it's a good survey tool. And show us that next slide there, Mr. Jonathan. You see where we were before, because the orange line there that kind of goes up and down and is the lowest is 2017. The green line in there is 2018. The blue line is 2019, the last time we did the Natural Church Development Survey. We were way up there. We were healthy. But then the bottom fell out in our survey we took just two months ago. Now, when we as a ministry staff first saw that, we freaked out. We're like, we know fewer people are attending. Some folks have chosen to go to another church. Some people are still home because of COVID. We understand that. We're glad they're with us on live stream. And, but we looked at that and we went, what went wrong? 
But then it dawned on us, what we're seeing here is a negative transference, that our average went down 24 points, but look at all these things went down, and it's almost the same sort of graph, and what's happened is COVID, right? And because of COVID, we feel disconnected from people. Because of COVID, there's this natural negativity in who we are and what we think and feel, and it's hurt us. We have two of them that really stuck out to us as a ministry staff, one called Holistic Small Groups and the other one called uh, Loving Relationships. Because as a church, we are a loving church. We say, we feel, we know, but all those scored lower as well. So as a ministry staff, we said, we've got to do something about this. We've got to um, introduce some ideas that will help us seek to be in relationships with one another like we intend. And so that's where you've got loving relationships and holistic small groups. These, you can't read all of them, but let me just tell you the ones here you might not can. The first one here, this is holistic small group, says, my small group helps me with the challenges of my life. We're not doing too well on that one, so we say. And this one here, I am a member of a group in which others will pray for me when I need it. We're doing pretty good there, but look at this one. I'm a member of a small group in which I feel at home. We said, not really. Over here in my small group, we trust each other, not as much as we should. You can see how things like this, even factoring in COVID, made us go, whoa, we've got to talk about this. Let's look at the next slide, which is about loving relationships. Our loving relationships, you notice we got a few that are score even lower. There's a lot of joy and laughter in our churches. That uh, third one there, 28 points. The atmosphere of our church is influenced by compliments and praise. That one's low. Look over here. Someone in our church does a good job, I tell them. We look at these things and we went, man, we've got some room for improvement. So I share this with you not to discourage you, not to have you go, oh, man, but to encourage you. Because the God that we're in relationship with is a God of love. And He loves us and He calls us to love one another. And so it's just a matter of saying to us, let's consider how we love one another. And that's where we go to this idea of life together. Why we're focusing on the idea of life together. Life together is what God has called us to. The one another's of the New Testament point us that direction. And although they're one another's in all the books of the New Testament, almost, the writings of Paul in Romans, I think, particularly apply to us. And here's why. Rome was this megalopolis for its day and time and cosmopolitan mixture of all these cultures. And it led to division in the church over social issues. We live in a world like that today, that our entire world and the news media we consume from one side or the other or the middle, the town we live in, in a somewhat conservative state, but a more liberal town, and then how uh, the the vision of COVID became a political thing, mask, no mask, vax, no vax, all those sort of things. I went, dude, if there's any church that talks to us in the New Testament about how we ought to one another, one another in the midst of this, when we're considering life together, it's the book of Romans, as Paul was writing to the church in Rome. And that's where I want to take us very quickly through eight different scriptures from the book of Romans. So let's move on there. The first one is this, that we're to genuinely care for one another. Now, I didn't tell you already, but if you haven't already opened your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, we're going to walk through eight different verses 
just uh, about a minute at a piece. And the first one is Romans chapter 12, verse 10. And it says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted to one another. The way I would translate that is to genuinely care for one another. To genuinely care for one another. What does that look like? When your care for, your affection for, your love for, your providing for others is genuine. The person beside you, the group of friends or family you're with is just right. John 13, 35, Jesus says, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. We genuinely care for one another in that affectionate sort of love. The next one is also in that verse, and we'll put that on the screen for you. And that's to humbly honor one another. That's also in Romans 12.10. You heard it there already. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. That's that Philadelphia love, phileo, to love one another in affection as family. But then it says, honor one another above yourselves. If you're going to honor someone, that means you recognize them for who they are, for what they have done. You say, good job, attaboy, way to go, girl. I'm proud of you. That was amazing. I can't believe you did that. You give them an award. You give them the praise. You write them a card. You honor them, but also how you treat them. And when you honor someone above yourself, it implies then that you're humbling yourself, that you give preference to them. It literally means that you put them ahead of yourself. God calls us to put others ahead of ourselves. It's wonderful to see that in our church, the way that you serve one another. In a church our size that needs so many volunteers to do things like Awana and children's ministry, and as you serve one another. When we think about something like this day of resurrection, our Easter pageant, and we need everybody here, and I tease that some of us don't have one job, but we have five jobs. You know, I'm holding up ten fingers, though. That we serve together and we honor one another. Let's look at our third point there from the church in Rome, in the book of Romans, and that's harmoniously live with one another. We're to be in harmony with one another. That's also taken from Romans chapter 12, this time in verse 16, when it says, live in harmony with one another. And then it tells you how or gives some insight. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. I know we've got some musicians among us. We all like to sing, at least I think most of us do. But we do have some folks here that love Southern gospel. Now, I wasn't raised in a Southern gospel church or anything like that, but years ago, some church member friends took Melanie and I to a Southern gospel concert, and I couldn't believe how much fun I had. You could not not tap your toe and not to clap along. I think the crowd there may have been opposed to dancing, That was supposed to be funny too. (laughs) 
But boy, howdy, they were tapping those toes and bobbing those heads and clapping along. And the harmonies were amazing. That's the thing about that Southern gospel. I love the harmony. When they each sang a different part, and this guy would go here, and that guy would go there, and that guy would go, and then they'd come all together. And I was like, oh, it's a picture of how we're supposed to live with one another, that we're all different. We have different abilities, different talents, different skills, different personalities. But God calls us together to be in harmony with one another. We're supposed to have that same mind that even though I'm different, I'm going to pursue the same thing to live in harmony, to love one another. Well, as we move on through our passages of Scripture and in through the book of Romans, we get our fourth point. Our fourth point is to unselfishly love one another. To unselfishly love one another. And that comes from chapter 13, verse 8. Chapter 13, verse 8 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Let no debt remain outstanding. This passage of Scripture isn't so much about financial debt. There's nowhere in the Bible where it says don't be in debt, although we know it's not the best idea. If you can be debt-free, that's the way to be. But what this is, is a radical call to indebtedness to one another. And that the way we love one another is so sacrificial, so otherish. It's God-powered. We can't do it on our own. It's other-focused. And it's self-sacrificing. That that's who we are as Christ followers. Jesus said in John 13, 34, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. He laid his life down for us and he calls us to lay our lives down for one another. That sort of love is amazing. Those sort of stories inspire us. They cause us to cry. They well us up on the inside when we consider loving others that way. Let's move on to our fifth point is we're to freely stop judging one another. Stop judging one another. These scriptures in the New Testament often get twisted, particularly by people who don't agree with us as believers in Jesus, and they'll say to us, hey, you're a Christian, you shouldn't judge. I have the Bible. It judges for me. It tells me what's right. It tells me what's wrong. It tells me what is righteous. It tells me what is sinful. What the passages of Scripture that are twisted because they're understood simply not in context that you shouldn't judge actually mean is don't be judgmental. Don't be self-righteous in your attitude that you're better than them because they seem to struggle with the sin you don't struggle with. We're all sinners and we're all saved by grace. And so we've got to be loving in our opinions to one another. And notice that I put that adverb freely there. Freely stop. Judging one another. That comes from Romans chapter 14, verse 13. And it says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Have you considered that your harsh judgment in and of itself may be a stumbling block or an obstacle? To another believer who's not as mature as you, and certainly to an unbeliever. It is. When you come down hard on somebody, I'm not saying we shouldn't tell them right and wrong, but I'm saying do it with love, do it with compassion, doing it out of a relationship built on trust, so that you don't put a stumbling block in front of them based on 
your judgment of right and wrong that's founded in Scripture. Let's move on to our sixth point. Our sixth point is to graciously accept one another. Graciously accept one another. We know what grace is. That's when we get what we don't deserve. We know what gracious is. That's when we feel somebody caring for us and loving us in such a way that we think, man, this is amazing. And that acceptance of one another where we belong. Let's read that verse in Romans chapter 15, verse 7. It says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. If you were to read this whole passage of Scripture, although in Romans there are different parts where Paul is targeting his message to different people or different groups in the church, in chapter 15, in verse 7 here, he's actually speaking to the entire church as a whole, and he's saying all of you as Christ's followers should accept one another. That there shouldn't be divisions within the church. That we're to live in harmony with one another. That we're to live one another, uh, love one another, but we're to accept one another. And what's the result of that? It said in verse seven, to bring glory and praise to God. That our acceptance of one another brings honor, praise, worship, glory to God. Isn't that amazing? Let's move on. We've got another one, number seven on your list is to skillfully instruct one another. To skillfully instruct one another. That's also from chapter 15, verse 14. Chapter 15, verse 14 says, I am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Because of who you are in Christ, full of goodness, competent knowledge, Complete in knowledge, you are competent to instruct one another. So God calls us to skillfully instruct one another. I don't know about you, but for me, it's pretty easy to tell other people what to do. I'm really good at giving advice. Is it always good advice? Is it always godly advice? Does it always come from a heart that it graciously accepts them or is unselfishly loving them, that is humbly honoring them, that is seeking to live in harmony with them. Those are the qualifying questions for me. I don't know about you. We've got an eighth and final one another from Romans, and that is to warmly welcome one another. I remember somewhere along my youth group days, when reading this, I went, hey, I'm going to use this, the cute girl in the youth group I like. Jonathan will put it up on the screen and you'll see why. It says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Yeah. I had plans for that scripture verse. You won't be surprised to know that the young lady in the youth group did not have plans for that scripture verse. But that's not what that's talking about, is it? Greet one another with a holy kiss. In their culture, it was customary... The kiss folks, you've seen it now when European folks do that little side kiss, side kiss thing on each other's cheeks, you know. We shake hands, we hug one another, but their culture is kissing one another. In the culture back then, in the Bible days, it was a mouth-to-mouth kiss on the lips. But it was the kind that, you know, my Aunt Franny used to do to, with me. She had her red lipstick on, and she's like, come here and give Aunt Franny a kiss. I'm like, ah! 
And, but she'd give you this real quick peck, but she had enough red lipstick. If you like, God bless my Aunt Fran. Maybe you have somebody in your life that still greets you with a kiss because of the affection you have for one another. It's something that mamas can do with kids and grandmas can do with grandkids and certainly a husband and a wife might do with one another. But translating that idea to all of us leads me to that phrase, to warmly welcome one another. When we've heard all these other scriptures about how we're supposed to one another, one another, it makes sense that because of the relationship we have with one another, we greet one another warmly as well. So let's move on. Because you've got a question. Of these eight things that we've won through pretty quickly, which of them do you need help with? Not to do it on your own because you can't, but that God might do it through you. Which of them right now today do you need to say, God, I am not doing this well. I need to surrender this to you. In life together, we've got a couple ideas to help you. That thing you've got to do on your own. You've got to think through that, pray through that. Maybe memorize some scripture about that. But there are a couple things that you've got on your outline. We'll put on the screen and two of them that are written down here and then a few others. The first one you heard Nathan talk about, and that's after church. This is an idea of growing with one another. Um, Pastor Nathan is a university professor, but don't freak out about that because he's got this ability to teach in a way that connects to all of us no matter who we are. He doesn't teach up here. He teaches right here where it gets us in the heart, right? That's one thing I love about Pastor Nathan. And so he's designed this curriculum to teach us not just through him lecturing and saying, here's what you should do, but learning activities where we get to practice with one another in a safe environment how to love folks how to be genuine with folks, and how to be in a Christ-like relationship with folks, just like we've heard from the book of Romans today. So that event's coming up in a few weeks. The details are on your news page or your website or um, on your bulletin that's in your hand. The next one is sharing hobbies with one another. If you didn't walk by the uh, Narthex today, you saw that the Given You Grow bulletin board's gone, and we've got a really nice-looking bulletin board that Miss Molly Cole made for us this week, but you're going to fill it in. And here's how you're going to fill it in. After church this morning, Jonathan Dejabay is going to be right over here outside this door, and Emily Wakefield will be right over here outside this door with a Polaroid camera. And they're going to take a picture of you, if you want it, a picture made. And they're going to stand closer than you think they should because the camera is weird that way. And it looks like they're right in front of you to take the picture. Um, any case, and here's what you're going to do. You get your Polaroid of yourself. You can take your mask off. We'd like you to smile too, look nice. This is about life together and loving one another. And then you're going to go to that bulletin board. And there's some tables under the bulletin. Contact five cards and colored markers. You can pick the color you prefer. And we want you to write your name, contact information you're comfortable with, either your phone number or email address, and one or two or three things that you would be willing to do with someone else in the church. That It's a hobby. It's an interest of yours. And you're like, you know what? I don't know. You know, I like to go fishing. I wonder if there's some other fisher people in the church, not just fishermen, because we have fisher women like Mary Duncan as a master angler back there. I guess you're still a fisherman, right? We don't have to. Yeah. Anyhow. But you like to do that. I realize we're coming into winter and you can't do everything in winter, but put it on there, right? The person can take a picture of it because you're saying, I'm willing to do this with somebody else in the church so that I might get to be 
friends with somebody else in the church more than just, oh, it's that guy that sits back there. Oh, that lady that sits over there, yeah, she's nice. Well, do you know her name? Now her name, if she wants it, and her contact information, and a few things she likes to do are going to be on the bulletin board for all of us to see. How much fun is this going to be? So, you know, they're going to be there after worship today. They're going to be there after Sunday school today. So, uh, and we'll do it next week as well. So if you've got to get to volunteer somewhere or you don't have time, you've got to leave for something, that's okay. Um, but we're going to take your picture today, if you want, and put it up on that bulletin board so that we can do better at doing life together. Two other things that aren't mentioned on there. Prayer meeting this afternoon, 3.30, right, Miss Sarah? In here? A Praying for America prayer meeting, not in your bulletin. It is in the bulletin, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. If it's not, I'm telling you about it. It happens right here to pray for our nation and everything that's happening in our nation. That's 3.30 today. And then starting on Wednesdays at 12 noon, we're going to have a prayer meeting for personal revival for us as individuals and for our church. I'll email you about that. And that'll be in here, the Wednesday noon hour prayer meeting. You can go out to lunch with somebody after if you want. You can fast during that hour, but we're going to come here and not pray about broken bones or COVID or anything like that, but pray about broken spirits and our walk with Jesus. And that's going to be Wednesday at noon. If you can't be here at Wednesday at noon because of family or work, we're going to email you a little prompt for prayer and a scripture verse every Wednesday morning as well. So we need to move on. And I'm just going to read this for us, and that's our uh, scripture memory verse of the month. Let's read it together. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we come before you and we're thankful for the love that you have for us. And we pray, Father, that you help us to love others that same way. That we would give ourselves humbly and freely and fully. That we would seek to elevate others above ourselves as we honor them. That we would be in such a joyful relationship with them that Warmly welcoming them is just what we do. We pray, Father, if there's anyone here today that needs to trust Jesus as their Savior, that they'd make that decision. Anyone here today that needs to join our church family, they'd make that decision. Anyone here today that needs to confess something and give it freely today, they'd make that decision. Whatever it is, would you move among us in Jesus' name? Amen.